0: The media is overcome with joy over their decision to make Joe Biden the next president of the United States. Lying on a velvet divan and sipping a cucumber lemonade and gin while receiving a massage from his pool boy, CNN anchorman Anderson Cooper said, quote, after years of our comparing Trump to Hitler, lying about his relationship with Russia, and undermining even his most beneficial policies, we can at last return to normal levels of civility where I call ordinary Americans teabaggers and no one criticizes me for it. Unquote. Van Jones, meanwhile, was crying in the arms of Brian Stelter, who was weeping on the shoulder of Van Jones, who was sobbing into Brian Stelter's counterpane while Brian blew his nose in Van Jones' souvenir copy of the Green New Deal. And one or the other of them said, At last, we can tell our children that character counts and honesty matters. Not to us, of course, because we work for CNN, but to Donald Trump, because if he could have pretended to have character and honesty like we pretend to, he too could have been an anchorman at CNN. Instead, he chose the darker path of restoring the economy and bringing peace to the Middle East. So we had to assail him with any lie available until we could tell our children that character counts and honesty matters. Because we have to tell our children something or else they might find out what we really do for a living. The rest of the statement was drowned out by loud wails and nose blowing. At ABC News, George Stephanopoulos said, quote, I am thrilled that the dark center of American corruption has finally passed away from the White House so it can return to ABC News where it belongs, unquote. Stephanopoulos said that having spent so much of his life silencing women, he now felt free to put that talent to use, getting Van Jones and Brian Stelter to stop crying so damn much. <laughs> Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, Hurrah hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hoorah, hooray. All right. I don't want anybody to say I was homophobic because of those remarks about Anderson Cooper. And I, I, I like gay people. I just don't like elite, arrogant, dishonest, stupid gay people. who so insult the American people. Come on over to the YouTube channel, Andrew Claven YouTube channel, and subscribe if you want to get This content and all kinds of original content, if you press that little bell there, I will deliver original content to your door uh, dressed up in as a repairman. Uh, Just don't leave your wife alone while I'm there. And if you leave a comment uh, and it's sufficiently bigoted and disgusting, I will read it on the air uh, because it'll fit right in with the rest of the commentary on the show. Today, we have a comment from Mudbucket16. Uh, I sure hope the task force meets diversity requirements. COVID is too serious to not have the best diversity possible. Absolutely the case. We really care uh, deeply about Whatever I was just talking about. Uh, Veterans Day is today. I just want to say a great thank you to all the veterans out there. They are every single one of them a hero. I don't care what they did. You know, when I when I very, very briefly visited Afghanistan during the first quarter century of the (laughs) Afghanistan war, uh, one of the things that occurred to me when I arrived in the country, I just I guess got I got to Kuwait and then I went over uh, to the base there and went into this tent. It was like 150 degrees. It was hotter than anything I have ever felt. Um, And it it was, uh, the minute I walked into this tent, I just thought, this is incredibly far away from home. It's incredibly lonely. Uh, It's incredibly governmental and regimented and organized. And they do their best to make people feel at home. But I just let anybody who does this for his country is a hero. You know, I mean, you don't have to get shot at. You don't have to do anything. Just anybody who puts themselves in the hands of the government like that, uh, gives up a lot of their freedom is taken away from their home, their family, the families too. So anyway, a big thank you to the veterans who keep this country safe. We do not realize all those people who think that uh, we live at peace. We don't live at peace. We live protected from war. And that's really the truth. Uh, the people who stand on, our borders and on our walls and uh, defend us are the reason we can do all the rest of the stuff we do, we'll go to the opera, read a book, we'll be with our kids. Every moment of that is not a moment of peace. It's a moment where somebody is preventing uh, an attack. Um, there's an idea going around around among some members of the left and some on the right as well. The, the Republican Party or the conservative movement uh, needs to have some kind of reckoning for having supported Donald Trump. The idea is that we're supposed to repent our sins and move to reconcile with those wiser heads who opposed Trump during his reign of terror. It's a way of restoring peace like they tried to do in South Africa after apartheid or in Germany after World War II. Uh, we've got the wannabe communist thug, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's been calling for Trump supporters to be put on an enemy's list. A lot of people are doing that. There's the Trump Accountability Project. A lot of j- people just want to take measures to make sure that Trump supporters are punished or that they never work again. Brett Stevens, the anti-Trump conservative columnist for the New York Times, a former newspaper, and I like Brett Stevens, but he wrote a column uh, yesterday, I think it was, saying the conservative movement needed to take stock of its support for this president because of Trump's Moral depravity, that's his word. Now, it's very hard for me to respond to all this without burying my buttocks. But in the name of dignity and decorum, let me try. I can only speak for myself, but sorry, not sorry. For the last four years, I've said exactly what I meant to say about Trump, supporting his policies and his pugnacity, Uh, even while I sometimes lamented, you've heard me, his rudeness and hostility. For all the talk of his Hitlerian corruption and authoritarianism, I failed to see where he damaged anything or oppressed anybody. He obeyed court orders even when they were obviously partisan. He did not turn agencies like the IRS and the FBI against his political enemies like the Democrats did. He did not bug and criminalize the work of reporters like the Obama administration did. And if he lowered the tone of the conversation, the reason was simple. Democrats don't have to be rude. The media is rude for them. Trump restored the economy, appointed excellent judges, began a genuine peace process in the Middle East, raised the alarm on China, brought our broken immigration system to bay and a lot of other things, and all the rest of it is hurt feelings about his sometimes bad behavior. I cannot yawn hard enough at the notion that those of us who would defend our freedoms by backing a belligerent guy like Trump owe an apology to those who ever so politely want to destroy the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Electoral College, and the Supreme Court and take down Israel while they're at it. You want a reckoning? Reckon this. You credentialed morons have made war on ordinary Americans for at least 50 years now. Did you get a taste of your own medicine from Orange Man Bad? cry more. My leftist tears tumbler isn't half full. That's your reckoning. So I don't know about you. I'm on the computer all day long, all day long. And I'm also kind of naive about it. I sort of think I'm safe. I sort of think it's private. It's not. There are people out there who want to steal your data. You need LifeLock to protect yourself. I'm working from home is always challenging. Hotels are advertising daytime room reservations for guests seeking quiet, distraction-free work environments. But according to the FBI, accessing sensitive information from hotel Wi-Fi poses an increased security risk over home Wi-Fi networks. Hackers can exploit lax hotel Wi-Fi security to steal work and personal data. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. We put our information at risk on the internet every day life lock Helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. And if they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they will send you an alert. I've gotten them. It's really helpful to know what's going on. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to LifeLock.com/claven. That's LifeLock.com/claven for 25% off and a free lesson on how to spell Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Claven. You know, all of this stuff is just, what is so appalling about it is that the media, we can see, the media lives in a hall of mirrors, but they can't see their own reflection. They live in this world that's just illusion, flashing off illusion, you know, Trump put separated mothers and children, put babies in cages, and Trump did this, and Trump colluded with Putin, and he did all these things that he never did, or that if he did, they were done before, and they just don't see who they are. And I don't want to become like that. I want to be part of replacing the news media. I really do. I want the Daily Wire. I think the Daily Wire is a major part of that. I want to be part of that, but I don't want to become what they are now. I don't want to be in a, uh, in a hall of mirrors where I can't see Myself for my own delusions. I gotta, you know, we're gonna do the mailbag later, and so all your problems will be solved. Uh, so you want to, might want to gather your problems around you now, and you know, kiss them on the heads and say farewell to them. But I just want to read one letter I got, and I don't mean to make fun of this letter at all. I understand completely where uh, I believe it's a lady's coming from. The lady named Carrie said she appreciated my perspective on episode 991 but I didn't appreciate you taking all hope away regarding Trump and his, I I said it was a very uphill climb for him to win uh, this kind of idea that the election was stolen. The impact of Biden and the ultra left will not be minor. And it's sad to think that I'm sending support to a lost cause. We needed four more years of Trump. And the argument here is that I shouldn't say what I think is true because it would be better if it weren't true. (laughs) I agree. It would be better if it weren't true. And there's an off chance, there's an off chance that Trump can turn the election around, but it's so tiny. It's so small. I mean, Jen Ellis, you can't say Jen Ellis isn't a warrior for Trump. She is, but even she told you it was an uphill climb. And, you know, again, I am not convinced yet that this election was stolen. The numbers are exactly what You would have expected if you had been listening to this show for four years, he lost the suburbs. If it were a steal, he would have uh, he would have there would have been a lot more votes in urban areas where it's easy for Democrats to steal things and to put in fraudulent votes. And I'm sure there were fraudulent votes. Don't get me wrong. The Democrats always steal a certain couple of percentage points. But he did exactly what we said he was going to do. He alienated people in the suburbs. And I've said this before. It's a tragic fact that it took a belligerent like Trump to teach the the GOP some manhood, to teach them that they have to fight back, to teach them that they have to take on the media. All of that was Trump did. And he wouldn't have been able to do it if he didn't have the personality he did. But that same personality alienated people. And so look, if this is the case, people, there's this meme going around that we're not a fighter. If we're not fighting to overturn the election, I'm a fighter. I got the scars to prove it. I've got the losses to prove it, but I want to fight the the fight ahead. I want to fight the fights that's coming. And that most, much of that, much of that is replacing this media that has destroyed the trust between Americans and the trust in our institutions. So Let's, I mean, I want to give a little praise to an odd person I don't often give praise to. I, I like Marco Rubio. I don't hate him or anything like that, but he's not somebody who comes to the fore. But he put out a video uh, yesterday that really did say something. Uh, first, he, he talked about the fact that we should pursue every legal remedy, and that was absolutely Donald Trump's right. And I 100% agree with this. Uh, so let's play what that's clip uh, two, I think.
1: Both sides should support allowing the post-election process provided for in our laws to work to move forward. Our election laws call for recounts in close elections. They provide candidates the right to contest votes cast in violation of the law. They allow the right to present evidence of fraud if you have it, to present that evidence in court, and they require meeting specific deadlines for all this so that a winner can be certified and take office. Both Democrat and Republican candidates have used these laws themselves. They've availed themselves of these rights many times including in this election. Joe Biden had hired an army of election lawyers to use this very process if he had fallen short in the preliminary results. And therefore, President Trump is well within his legal rights to pursue all these things under these laws now.
0: I just want to point out that I'm not sure Marco Rubio would have done that pre-Trump and just said that was just honesty and correcting the press. But here's the part of this video that I loved. He then addressed the news media. This is cut three.
1: Now, for those in the media who are angry that republicans won't just take their word for it that biden won i think you need some self-awareness you spent four years claiming the russians hacked the last election you supported democrats when they went to court to overturn the governor's race in georgia in 2018 and you say nothing when to this day they claim that they won that race and you railed against how dangerous trump rallies were but now you seem to have no problem with biden supporters celebrating in big crowds so republicans I think have good reason to believe that some of you are just a little biased. The only way the outcome of this election is going to be widely accepted, which is what we need, is through the post-election process in our law.
0: You know, again, Marco Rubio is never going to be Donald Trump. But if that voice, if that voice of talking to the news media, of just telling the truth to the news media and calling them out, becomes the voice of the GOP, it'll add points to their future elections but trust me this is this is the fight i mean people who really know politics told me years and years and years ago the gop will never win until they realize they are running against the media trump taught them that he taught them you could fight back he, and and he taught them that people will hear you if you fight back Twitter did everything they could to silence Donald Trump. People heard him anyway, partly because we're here and the Blaze is here and all these other outlets are here and there are going to be more and more and more of them. And we are going to be fighting against the censorship. If we have to build a new Internet, we will fight against the censorship. And you want to see the bias at work? Here is here is a a montage from our friends at Newsbusters of the first of the make believe president elect's first press conference. As make-believe president-elect, with the press, let's listen to the tough, uh, searing questions that they just—just—it's—it's ha- it's, it's hard to watch the 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 violent questions with which they try to dissect him. Uh, this is cut nine.
1: What are you saying to the world leaders who are calling you at this point about the situation here? What options are you considering? How will you uh, move ahead if the president continues to refuse to concede? Do you plan a campaign in Georgia before your inauguration to help Democrats in the two runoff races there as they try to flip the Senate? And uh, how important is a democratic held Senate to your agenda. What do you say to the Americans that are anxious over the fact that President Trump has yet to concede and what that might mean for the country? And just to follow up on a previous question, how do you expect to work with Republicans if they won't even acknowledge you as president-elect?
0: <laughs> so it looks, it looks exactly like their coverage of Donald Trump. Here's just a selection of that. as cut 10. He's just disgusting to look at. Uh, He's obese. (laughs) He's one of the repulsive physically looking human beings I've ever seen.
1: Absolutely no morals. Who's a bully, who acts like a bigot and a racist and is a sexist and a sexual harasser. You are pathetic.
0: From a journalism point of view, Donald Trump is a brain eating disease.
1: How stupid can you be? (laughs) This president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did.
0: His ignorance could pose a profound danger to every single person in this country and literally every inhabitant of the planet Earth. (laughs) <laughs> so, I, I love him. And so now CNN's John Berman, he can't figure out why the GOP won't say yes to, to unity. He's like that, You know, talk about a guy living in a hall of mirrors who can't see his own reflection. Uh, here is, is John Berman shocked, I tell you, shocked that the GOP will not rally around uh, Joe Biden as cut six.
1: The president-elect of the United States is calling for unity and a collective effort to fight a raging pandemic. The response from the outgoing president, no. The response from the administration, hell no. The response from Republican leaders in Congress, F no. It's not that unity isn't a priority for them, unity seems to be the enemy. It will hurt the fundraising, it will hurt the base, it will hurt the runoff elections in Georgia. American security, democratic traditions, the moral fabric of the country, meh, those can wait, maybe forever. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, John, you're you are just weaving. You are sitting there weaving the moral fabric of the country. It is woven at CNN with CNN. Reporters are working on looms around the clock, weaving the moral fabric of the country. And that's why we just rally around. When you call, when you call, John, we rally round you and MSNBC. And again, I, I always hate to pick on MSNBC because at least they are honest partisans. You know, I mean, at least they know they don't have like some clown like Brian Stelter. You know, saying, oh, no, well, I, biased. What bias? <laughs> Nothing like that. They, you know, MSNBC. But MSNBC is out there haranguing senators to accept. You know, they're going to, like, torture them. Will you accept Joe Biden's presidency? Is cut 17.
1: Did Vice President Biden win the election?
0: It'll play out. We'll know when the, the electors come to town and it's official.
1: Senators, did Vice President Biden win the election? We don't know yet. Was there any fraud in your race, as far as you know? I don't believe so. Iowa has a really great election system, and I, I trust the integrity of our process. Isn't Do you suspect system? fraud anywhere else? Um, I, I can't speak to that. Have you spoken to Vice President Biden yet? I have not. Do you believe he won the election?
0: <laughs> I, I, I love him. you know Don Lemon admits that he's just traumatized by the entire experience of having Donald Trump uh, as president he's it's just going to take him a while to get over his cut 19. This is like give us a while here in the news media because you know we have to <laughs> we got to learn how to quit the other person right it's like a breakup we got to get the other president the other out of our phone contacts so we can stop talking about right now he's flailing everything is flailing 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 i'm just here to tell you it's going to be okay he's just flailing <laughs> they're all traumatized here's, here's like a, just a montage of the traumas cut eight
1: i don't know why i'm crying so much but what <laughs> got me choked up was the picture of the cab driver and so i'm very emotional so when you ask me how i'm feeling right now i'm sorry That's all I can tell you. This is how I feel right now. Nobody knows what it feels like as a black man um, to be able to speak in this moment.
0: (laughs) So so, (laughs) I I laugh at these guys because they're buffoons and that's funny. But there's one part of this that isn't funny. Seventy. Million Americans voted for Donald Trump, right? That's half the electorate. We're a 49%, 49% country. The, the things are being decided basically on the 50 yard line in this country right now. 70 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. And they're invisible to these guys. They're invisible to them. They do not see them. They were invisible when they were killing themselves with opiates, when they were out of work, when their factories closed. They were invisible to them then. And they're invisible to them now. They're invisible to Stephen Colbert. They're invisible to the New York Times. They're invisible to all those Hollywood guys who stand up and accept the awards they're given and their gazillion dollar contracts and insult them. They're just invisible. But they're not invisible to me. And they're not invisible to Ben and they're not invisible to Jeremy and Knowles. They're not invisible to a new media that's growing up and that is going to replace these guys. These guys are obsolete. They're out of it. They've lost. They have all they've already lost. They're walking dead men. They just don't know it. And we will replace them because we see them. We see 70 million people and we see the other people. You know who else we see? We see the people in the suburbs who weren't being spoken uh, to by Donald Trump. So I am genuinely loving my Echelon bike. You guys got it for me because you responded to their sponsorship so they sent me an Echelon bike and it is absolutely terrific. It's one of these bikes like uh where you can use your iPad and get lessons, uh live lessons and so, and or recorded lessons to help you get through a 45 minute or a 30 minute workout whatever you want to do. I just, I just think it's absolutely terrific. Uh, it, it Nothing feels as good as just feeling, ah, I've got my work in, workout in for the day. Echelon can get you there. They offer next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines. They're all new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout. Their world-class instructors will motivate you. They're great. There's this one girl, Lindsay. I love her to death. She tells me exactly what I got to do so I can get through the workout. It's just, it's really fun and exciting. Uh, Unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. This is a big deal. One membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. And right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit dot com slash klavan. and i know what you're thinking you're thinking to echelon anybody can spell echelon but how oh how please tell me how do you spell clavin it's k-l-a-v-a-n no ease. You just make it look this is easy we didn't just come through four years of a div- divisive or divisive we didn't just come through four years of a divisive president we just came through 12 years of divisive presidents they didn't know the media didn't know that obama was divisive and i i mean this i talked to uh left wingers all the time and they don't realize that Obama was divisive because you're invisible to them they don't see you they have set up a communication system where they don't have to see you the people at CNN at ABC at NBC at CBS at the New York Times the New York Times doesn't know you exist they they have actually excised you from their scope of view it used to be that uh, the a newspaper like the the New York Times had authority because even though they were liberal, they were always pretty liberal, but even though they were liberal, they saw the rest of the country. Now they have all these 20 year olds who were taught at school that the rest of the country is evil and anyone who disagrees with them is racist. Those are the people they've just become invisible to them as, as evil people do. You know, I don't take account of what evil people think. Why should I take account of what evil people think? I want to know what the good people think, but they don't see, so they don't see anyone who disagrees with them. But I don't want to become like that. I don't want our media to be like that. You know, you can talk about, you can talk about Joe Biden and you say whatever you want to say about Joe Biden, but there are people who voted for Joe Biden who are not my enemy, who are people I could sit and talk to. You know, Donald Trump spoke for those people. You could tell at the rallies that they were just hearing their own voices finally. But there were people that he he spoke for, but he didn't speak to. And, and I've been complaining about this for four years, and every every time I would complain about it, people would write to me and saying, no, oh, you don't like Don, you don't understand he has to, and I didn't understand. I did understand he had to do that, but we, it wasn't Trump's fault, by the way, we had let the culture slip so badly to the left that to break through, it took a, a bull like Trump. It took a guy to go into that China shop and destroy the China all around them. But that's something that a lot of Americans, fairly enough, a lot of Americans don't want to hear. They don't want to do it. Look, the majority of Americans, after four years of Donald Trump, thought their lives were better than they had been. They thought their lives were better than they had been, and they still didn't vote for Donald Trump. And that, you know, that's something that i you know i saw coming a mile away it's it's simple when he spoke about the things he spoke about he was speaking for them but when he fired people on twitter for instance he wasn't speaking for them and the big one and this is what i think lost him the election i actually do think this is what lost donald trump the election were those first uh when the the flu, the Chinese flu, first came in and he started giving those press conferences, daily press conferences, in which he talked about himself. I actually called up his campaign at that point and said, that's gotta stop. You ca- you cannot do that. You can't make this about yourself. Too many people are actually dying because of the stupid policies of Andrew Cuomo. A huge number of people in New York died and people lost their grandparents. People lost their parents. And, that, and you can't go out and say, well, the press is treating me unfairly. The president can't do that. I think that that was when that that kind of tore it right there. If he had come out and been just a little bit more statesmanlike, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been this way. But look, I, this is politics. I want to win. I want to win. You know, cocaine, apex predator cocaine, Mitch McConnell was right. The winners make legislation. The losers go home. And we have, we have a big advantage in what just happened. You know, there was a really good article in the Federalist by, I think it's their cultural reporter named Emily Jashinski. And she made this great point. You know, one of the things I complained about, with never trumpers especially, but with and, and with the news media entirely, is when the people elected Donald Trump, if you didn't like Donald Trump, if let's just say you couldn't stand him you thought he was an awful guy, you still had a responsibility to say, well, what were the people saying? What were the people saying? Instead, we got Russia, we got this, we got that. And I thought, no, you know, listen to what the people were saying. They sent this, they sent Donald Trump to the White House to say something. And the something was two words, one of which I can't say on the air and the second of which is you. And there's a reason they were saying those things. You have to listen when the people of the United States say that to you because they can, you're lucky if they don't show up outside your window with the guns they've been buying en masse, right? Instead, they were polite enough just to send Donald Trump. So we heard them. You know, some of us heard them and thought, okay, this is, a you know, they're they're out there killing themselves. Nobody's listening to them. Don Lemon is crying because he got the person he wants in there. And they're all crying. And Van Jones, they're all very, you know, they're brokenhearted. It's just how wonderful it is. 70 million people invisible to them. So here is what uh, Emily Dushinsky at The Federalist says. She says Trump's win and Hillary Clinton's loss should have been a wake up call to both parties. Republicans in the party establishment and the broader conservative movement responded by rethinking their approach to trade, to tech, to foreign wars, immigration, and the culture war. As a result, the party is now in a much better position to represent the working class and minorities, and arguably, even suburban voters. I agree with that. Democrats responded Democrats responded to Trump's win by focusing on Russia, impeachment, and daily media chatter about tweets and anonymous reports. They're the same party now that they were in 2016, with the exception of a louder democratic socialist wing inspired by Bernie Sanders' success. Without Trump, those lawmakers will need to win on the merits of their agendas, not the merits of their opposition to an unpopular president. Crucially, the Sanders-style newcomers lack all ability to appeal to the working class because of their obsession with identity politics, which is one of the very lessons they should have learned from Trump's win. That is all true. They haven't changed a bit, and we have. We have. We have changed some of our opinions. We First of all, Trump was just totally right. We made fun of Trump for saying China, China, China all the time. China, China, China was exactly right. We were repelled, some of us on the right, when uh, with his rhetoric about the borders. But of course, the border should be governed by the rule of law and not by the tender hearts of some politician who wants their votes or their cheap labor on the right, as they do at The Wall Street Journal. You know, that all that stuff was just common sense. It was right in front of us. I, I love this meme about Trump separating children uh, and their parents as if, first of all, it wasn't done during the Obama era, but a second of all, a legislature that sits for 30 years and does literally nothing to close our borders or to make our, legis- our uh, immigration law sane. And then Trump comes along and starts to try and deal with it. How is it anything that any bad events that come out of that really is the legislature's fault. So on, on both sides, on both sides, they didn't do anything. They didn't see it coming until Trump started talking about it. They didn't see it coming and they didn't change. So what are the fights ahead? Well, one of the biggest fights, because I mean, this is what I want to know. I want to know, okay, here comes Joe Biden. He's going to be president. I very, very small chance that these law uh, suits will succeed in overturning the election. Could happen, just saying it's an uphill climb. So what are we going to be fighting about? Well, one of the most important fights protecting religious institutions. We saw the hostility toward religion uh, in the Uh, Flu shuts down shutdowns where protests were allowed, but church wasn't, and we saw the timidity, the cowardice, the anti Christian stupidity of our churches in allowing that to happen. Every church should have been open. Any place where they said protests are allowed, but churches must close, churches should have opened. They all should have done a John MacArthur and insisted on it. And I don't care if they wore masks. I don't care if they met outside. I don't care what they did. But they should have met to pray. It was wrong. It was wrong for them to listen to the state because it exceeded this, uh, that power to them. But now, and a friend of mine pointed this out, I'm not allowed to say who he is because he doesn't want me to, but a friend of mine pointed this out, but now we have the second Catholic president in our history. And he's a Catholic president who has been denied communion at at least one church that I can think of, maybe more because he has more and more supported abortion up till the age, I think of 17. I think uh, you can kill your kid until he's 17 now under the Biden rule. And so this guy is going to start to, they keep showing him going to church. The media keeps showing him and going to church and he comes out his prayer book and he's walking through the cemetery, talking to his voters and Yeah. (laughs) And and the media is going to emphasize what a prayerful Catholic he is while he issues executive orders saying you can kill babies. Okay. So that's what, that's one of the things that's going to happen. Meanwhile, the conservative majority on the Supreme Court is all Catholic. And they, for instance, are probably going to return a verdict uh, in that a decision in that Philadelphia case where the uh, Catholic uh, adoption agency didn't want to give foster children to gay kid to gay parents. And they're probably going to say they, they deserve a religious exemption and Biden's not going to support them. So there's going to be a fight in the Catholic church, which is one of our most important churches, That we are going to have to defend, and it's going to—you're going to see it also with the little sisters of the poor as Biden brings back, gets, uh, throws away Trump's exception for them, so they don't have to support abortion rights. That's going to be a big fight. It's going to be a big fight to stop this racist nonsense that is now permeating every aspect of our society, where you have to take classes in how racist you are. We're going to have to fight against that. These are real things coming down the pike that are more important—that are more important than who is in the office of the presidency, because you know what? You know who runs the country? Still we do. And so these are the things we're going to have to be fighting for and we're going to need a media to do it. And here we are. And I'm not just doing this as an ad for the Daily Wire. Believe me, nobody asked me to do this. I'm just telling you, we have to replace the media. It's the same thing I've been saying for 20 years. It's more important now than it's ever been. All right. We got the mailbag coming up. But first, uh, first, uh, many, many years ago when I was a starving writer, I love a good timepiece. I love good timepieces. Many years ago when I was a starving writer, I promised my wife that I would buy this really, really expensive watch when we finally made it. And when we did make it, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I couldn't bring myself to spend that kind of money on a watch. That's why there's Ventura. That's why I'm wearing my Ventura, which you can see, because it's a really nice timepiece that doesn't cost a gazillion bucks head over to vincerowatches.com slash Clavin. Do not hesitate right now. They're having a site wide sale up to 15% off anything on their site. They make the Good gift, especially with the holidays coming up. And with Vincero, there's no brand name markup, no big time price tags. They're promised you a simple, solid, well-made products you will enjoy wearing. These guys know just how important it is to shop from local brands you can trust. Vincero offers free shipping, 30-day returns, and guarantees your watch for two years. Continue to support this brand as they continue to support my show. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com forward slash Clavin. Take advantage of this sale opportunity and get one of my go-to watches at such a great price. Like I said, these are timepieces you'll enjoy wearing every single day. If you don't, Vincero will make it right. That's their promise. If you don't love it, they will make it right by you. But I know you're saying, well, that's great, but how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Listen, when I talk about this media and replacing the media, I'm dead serious, but it is a good reason for you to support The Daily Wire. We have big plans for these next four years, and it starts right now. Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author and founder of the Blexit Foundation, I don't have to tell you who Candace Owens are, is. She's joining The Daily Wire, where she'll be launching a brand new show with us early next year. Uh, We'll also be launching an entertainment channel, a new investigative journalism team, and building partnerships with like-minded content creators like PragerU, whose entire show library will be available to dailywire.com members by the end of the year. We're going After the legacy media, and we're going to do it by building a huge membership base of supporters, that means you. Right now, just to show you we're serious, we're offering... 25% off all memberships if you use code election over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all our live broadcasts and show library, full three hours of Ben shows, exclusive reader pass content available only to Daily Wire members. And if you get the higher level of memberships, uh, we don't send you nulls. So that's something you can actually pay extra for. So remember that's 25... I'm joking, of course. So remember that's 25% off all memberships with code election over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media with Daily Wire. You will not regret it. You'll be happy you did. Mailbag! Woo! Yeah! Who the hell was that? <laughs> Just throwing random people in there now. Alright, from uh, CR. Greetings, O oh benevolent bald one. I have for a long time now, been walking the middle ground between agnostic and religious. That's interesting. Upon simple self-reflection, I can easily determine that there is something beyond ourselves, but I cannot put my finger on what. I am an engineer through and through which makes it near impossible for me to believe in something without some sort of evidence or arrow pointing toward a probable answer. I celebrate the Christian holidays, but I don't necessarily believe in the Christian doctrine, despite its expansive and, in my opinion, often correct moral teaching. My wife is Christian, and wholeheartedly so. This difference between us has been a lingering issue. I have a light affinity for Christianity, though I assume that is due to being an American who believes heavily in the founding father's philosophy. With that said, my question, why are you Christian and not some other religion, and I would like any other advice you have for my situation. That's a really interesting question. Uh, and I like that it comes from an engineer. One of my best friends is an engineer and it does believe in God. I don't know if he's a uh, classical Christian or not, but you know, um, I, I became a Christian late in life, and that was after gathering evidence. Uh, you know, it was gathering logic and evidence. I could not make sense of what I saw of the world without becoming a Christian. That's why I did it. It was a pain in the neck. I didn't want to do it. You can read my book, The Great Good Thing. I struggled against it. Uh, I was looking for a loophole, as W.C. Fields once said, uh, but I couldn't find one. And as an engineer, in a way, y- y- you should be more uh prone to become a Christian than other people. And let me, let me see if I can describe this, all right? One of the things about science and engineering is it depends on math, okay? Math and mathematics. Mathematics, first of all, requires certain axioms. You have to accept certain things are true that can't you can't prove to be true, but they make sense of everything else. And that's true in Christianity, too. The one axiom you have to accept, I think, to become a Christian is that there is such a thing as good and bad, that it is better uh, to be a charitable person than to be a Nazi, that it's better, as I always put, it's better to give a beggar bread than it is to torture a child to death. Once you accept that, that's the axiom. That's the thing you have to accept. I can't prove that it's better to give a beggar bread than to, put a child, than to torture a child to death, but I know that to be the case. So that's the axiom. Then what you have to say is, well, where does that moral framework come from? So let's, let's talk about mathematics for a minute, all right? Let's talk about the fact that 7 and 5 equals 12. Uh, 7 and 5 equals 12. There's no such thing as 7, right? Seven is an idea in the mind of man. It's an idea in that there's no, there's no thing called seven, right? Seven only becomes real when you have seven pennies. And when you have add five pennies to them, you get 12 pennies. But those ideas, those, so those are those sort of physical things, physical things, incarnate things, representing ideas that exist somewhere else. Now, there may be another planet where they have other words for seven and five, and they look at things in a binary system or whatever other kind of system, but somewhere along the line, they're going to have to get to those truths, right? We get to them using our number system. Our number system is a human construct, but it reflects something real about the heavens, an idea that is real about the heavens. So our human observation reflects a spiritual truth, okay? Now, we know this because when we use these ideas, these weird ideas that we have in our minds, 7 plus 5 equals 12, we can predict when light from a billion miles away, we can predict the nickel it's going to land on and how long it's going to take to get there. So we know that this is good evidence of the truth. So we have another axiom. We have an axiom that it is um, better to give a beggar bread than it is to torture a child to death. That is also a human idea, right? That's something we evolved. We evolved that sense of morality it is also an idea without which the rest of our ideas the rest of our experience of life makes no sense we have every reason to believe that we have every reason to believe that that idea is just as true as 7 and 5 equals 12 and that it reflects a moral order that is beyond the physical truth just like 7 has no physical reality until it's incarnate in the world that moral idea is a human idea that reflect something in a spiritual world beyond nature supernatural it is above nature okay so now you have to think well where do that, those ideas exist where do those ideas exist somewhere they must exist and they must exist in a mind i mean ideas exist in a mind in order to know that mind right we need to have just what we ha- just like we need to have 7 pennies and 5 pennies to get 12 incarnate we need that mind needs to be incarnate for us That mind needs to have a a physical representation. And there's every reason to believe that that mind would give us a physical representation. And when you go to the the Bible, when you see that incarnate physical representation, the the seven pennies and five pennies that is Jesus Christ, right, is the idea of the moral order incarnate in the world, you start to think like, gee, (laughs) everything he's saying is in fact, true. And some of it, I would not have guessed until he said it. And that to me is what led me to accept Christ over other religions. And there's lots of wisdom in in other religions. Of course there is. I mean, no one would say there, there wasn't, but all of it is reflected in the incarnate mind of God. That is Jesus Christ. So that's that's my argument why I do why I feel that this is true. Uh, I hope that makes sense. I know it's a, a slightly complicated thought, but this idea that if anybody who uses numbers, anybody who uses numbers and reflects that they represent reality and that there are axioms to using numbers, should be sympathetic at least to the idea that uh, that Christ is an incarnate, is the incarnate version of a spiritual truth. All right. Um, from that took a long time. Sorry about that, but I thought it was worth explaining. Uh, from John. Hello, Clavin with an A. I love the Daily Wire's optimism and what you guys are planning for the future in order to fight the good fight and attempt to replace the legacy media. I will definitely continue to support the Daily Wire and continue to watch and learn. However, I'm skeptical of claims that this election is somehow a win for Republicans. I think Trump was the guy. He was the bulwark. What are the chances if Biden wins? The Trump administration essentially becomes a speed bump on the way to socialism. Won't the swamp just return to business as usual? I'm old enough to remember a Republican party prior to Trump that was I don't foresee any introspection or self-awareness from the leftists. I think they will seize this moment, apply all the right pressures, and we will be a different country in a year. We are screwed. One thing I love about that is it's classic conservative optimism. That's that's the classic voice of conservatism. It's over. We're done. We're done for. And the only thing I can say to that is like, maybe, you know, that's that is one possible future. But is it the most likely possible future? Is it the most likely that I mean, you know, what do politicians care about? They care about keeping their power and their jobs. What did they see? They're not you know, they're not idiots. Some of them and some of them aren't idiots. What did they see? They saw a people who they had this president that a lot of people didn't like and some people voted against him and also voted against the democrats that is a big powerful message so why should it be that they're not going to learn anything is that really true it's going to be true that the press hasn't learned anything that's going to be true. But we don't live in the hall of mirrors of the press. And that's one of the reasons we have to replace the press, right? Because we don't want other people to live in that hall of mirrors, too. A lot of sensible people out there in this country, a lot of people who they if they see Joe Biden being blown away by the winds of the left, which I think he may, he may well be, are going to rise up in protest and vote against them. So, I, you know, I, I, I respect your pessimism. Your pessimism is always one possible outcome. But why should it be the only outcome? You know, The thing about looking at the future is it's like picking out constellations from the the stars. The stars are scattered out there with this vast, uh, you know, there's an infinite number of stars. We could say, oh, well, they're just it's just a random compilation. But we pick out shapes. Our minds pick out shapes. Right. That's what you do when you predict the future. And there's just no reason why this constellation, which is a typical conservative constellation of pessimism, should be the shape of the future, and I, I see a lot of reasons why it shouldn't be. So that's that's what I would say. Keep the faith. Fight the fight. Look, look. You fight the fight until there is no fight. That's the thing. And I, we have shown. Uh, evidence that we can win. We have won big over the last four years in many ways. There's going to be fights to come. And now a lot of the people on our side understand that they have to get in the fight. And that's the important thing, right? Because the left is not the only people uh, are are not the only people in the country. There's also a right. And the right now understands that some of what Trump said and did is really important and essential. Um, All right, from David, anyone who believes in the God of Moses and Abraham believes he is omniscient and infallible, forgiving and loving of humanity. So how can our God allow a tweak as small as a vote count in Pennsylvania to be allowed to stand when it means the abortion mill death factory that is Planned Parenthood will be gearing up like Auschwitz on a new shipment of Zyklon B? Uh, So you're asking the classic question. uh, he says, Clavin the wise who might be able to explain to a humble moron such as myself who has to sing the jingle to remember not to put an E in Clavin. They're asking the classic question, question, how can God let such evil exist? Well, first of all, I I think because of the easy availability of abortion medicine, this is not entirely a legal fight anymore. This is almost entirely a cultural fight, except in the protection of church exceptions. The protection of church exceptions is really important, and I think that the, uh, the great judges that have been appointed by Trump and apex predator Cocaine Mitch, I think, will be helpful in that fight. But the other fight is cultural, and that fight is going, I believe, is going our way because more and more we will have the science to say, look, that's a baby. That's what happens when you kill it, uh, and the word will get out. And people have consciences, and people will not be wanting to do that. That's, that's my hope. Um, but how can God allow it? Well, think about the alternative. Think about the alternative that God forces you to do what's right. And everything is happy and fun and great, but but you don't have any choice. You have no choice. You can't choose between good and evil. You have to live a life that is that forces you to be good. That's the vision of, of communism. That's the vision of communism. It's not God, but the government will force you to do what's right. You don't have any choices, but boy, oh boy, you'll be doing what's right. You know, you may not have the things you want. You may not be able to do what you want, but boy, oh boy, you'll be doing what's right. That's not a human life. That's not a human life. Even your love for God in that case is not a human life. So God does let us do evil. He lets us do evil and he lets evil happening happen. But we have to assume we have to, I mean, it's only logical to assume that the moral order of God is bigger than the moral order of life, that the thing that the people who die unfairly, the people who die, uh, who meet up with evil uh, will suffer. But when they stand before the throne of God, they will see his plan and they will understand uh, what what has happened. You know, in Dostoevsky and uh, Brothers Karamazov, uh, an atheist makes the argument that nothing God does uh, can make up for the suffering that people uh, experience under evil. I just don't believe that. I think that is a finite argument. I think God's mind is infinite, and in the infinite mind, there can be a plan that does overcome evil. I don't know what it is, but I trust, I have faith, that when I stand before the throne, I'll say, ah, now I see. So in order to preserve freedom, which is the first good, because without freedom, there is no other good. You can't have virtue without freedom. You can't have virtue unless virtue is freely chosen. It isn't virtue unless you freely choose it. So to protect the first good of freedom, God allows us to make choices that are evil and destructive but we have to have this is the faith of Christianity that in the bigger infinite picture that evil will fall into a pattern that makes greater moral sense than anything that we could imagine and that's the only answer and the and the only when people I sometimes get this uh, this in the mailbag somebody will say you know why does God allow evil and don't tell me it's for freedom <laughs> you know it's like so give give me the answer but don't give me the right answer because I'm just sick of hearing it uh, but but that the way you can understand that is by looking at the alternative, the alternative where we're all automatons forced to do good. That's not a human world. That's not even a world where we can come to love God in freedom and in an understanding. Uh, that's just a, a world of goose-stepping, you know, robots uh, attending to God. God is greater than that, and we know he's greater than that because of our freedom. I'm out of time. I'm sorry. I took a long time to answer those questions because they were good, only because they were excellent questions with uh, that I thought needed good answers. Uh, all the answers, of course, are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life for the better. Uh, if not, don't tell me. I'll see you tomorrow. This is Andrew Clavin and The Andrew Clavin Show.